0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good
1: morning, and welcome to America's Web Radio again, you might say. And uh, again, we have Colonel retired Roger Wise on. And uh, Roger was inducted yesterday. In it said, I don't know, I didn't understand as, as part of the 2019 class? Or. 2019 class,
2: Georgia Military
1: Veterans Hall of Fame. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we went down, we were at the ceremony yesterday, and uh, it's uh, quite a thing. And I, I want to tip my hat to uh, Paul, how do you say his last name, Longer Uh For some reason, I, I get a mental block every time I look at it or think <laughs> about it, and, <laughs> and I can't pronounce it, but... Uh, Paul, I'd I'd never met in person, and I was honored to meet yesterday. As and he's also a chaplain, and um, Paul is just one super guy. And then he has his uh, director, Rick White, retired colonel. Uh, that's the uh, executive director, I guess, of uh, Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame, and. Uh, they had their inductee ceremony yesterday in the uh, Georgia Rotunda, and, and I found out something else new yesterday across the street. And it was cold, by the way, yesterday afternoon, or when I first got down there yesterday late yesterday morning, um, <coughs> that there is a very good place to eat over in the Floyd Building where the uh, Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame is, uh, in the basement. They have a cafeteria that... Uh, served up some pretty good chow yes they do yes they do i was uh didn't know about that place then again uh i'm not sure i could find downtown atlanta by myself anyway i I took uber so (laughs) it was uh i find going downtown is an experience unto itself but uh that's neither here nor there we have um retired colonel Roger Wise with us today, and uh, we're going to talk about yesterday's going on. And uh, Roger's also involved in uh, where I live in the Johns Creek Veterans. Um, it's the Healing Wall. It's the the Vietnam Veterans Wall. That it's a replica of that. That's half size replica that toured the United States. Did it ever go out of country, to <coughs> your knowledge?
2: No, um, they have the walls. This is the fourth one, and they travel the United States, hmm, okay. and it's a replica of the actual wall in Washington, D.C. Yeah, 50% size. Yes, and so we had it here um, four years ago. Uh, the ex-Senator Johnny Isaacson's office and others got involved, and we were a stop. It stayed in John's Creek for a week. Now, we set it up on the soccer field. And when we got ready to open the wall, I advised the group that I have many friends. They go to Washington all the time. These are veterans. And they said, Roger, I just don't have the guts to go to the wall. Now, the reason being is it is the wall that helps with the healing process. I said, well, just want to let you know, I understand where you're coming from. That's why we're going to have the wall open 24 hours a day. So come to the wall and start the healing process. I'm out there Friday morning at 3 a.m., and there's seven veterans kneeling down, touching the wall, talking, crying, laughing, healing, I'm out on Saturday afternoon, and I can now tell this. Um, I, at one time, I couldn't tell it because I started crying. A lady there, and she looked over her shoulder said, Mr. Wise, is that you? I said, yes. says, will you wait a minute? I want to introduce you to my son. I waited about 10, maybe 15 minutes. <clears throat> this guy gets up and comes over, puts his hands on my shoulders with tears in his eyes, looks me eyeball to eyeball and said, I want to thank you, sir, I met my father today. His mother was three months pregnant with him when his dad went to Vietnam. That is the power of that wall. So we had an understanding with the traveling committee because they retire the walls every five years, that we wanted to buy the wall to bring it and put it back in the memorial walk that we have established in Newtown Park in Johns Creek. We had four acres. Three acres had already been developed, and we were going to take one acre and put the wall there. They went to Florida and went to Texas and got into a bidding contest. (laughs) And I am so proud of the people in Johns Creek. We raised the money to buy the wall and it was $85,000. We've now got the wall, and we're putting it in place. We'll have a ribbon-cutting come March. And the community has just come to light. I mean, it's unbelievable. Once that wall is established, we will have one of the second largest privately-funded memorial walks in the United States. I, last summer, I'm from Goldsboro, North Carolina originally, so we had a 60th high school class reunion. I went back. Many of my classmates are Vietnam veterans. They had already heard that the wall was coming to Georgia and going to be there full time. I got up and advised the group where the wall is. So we are so pleased that the wall will be there. It's going to be open 24 hours a day, so you can come to the wall and start the healing process.
1: Are there still walls that are traveling the country?
2: Yeah, oh, well. yeah. they will have a wall still traveling the country, but this was the fourth of the traveling walls, and they're retiring it, And we and we've got it. And it's going to be
1: in Newtown Park in Johns Creek. Newtown uh, Park in Johns Creek. Invite everybody, I believe. I talked to Mike yesterday, as a matter of fact. Mike Mazzell, who's uh, president of the... President-elect
2: of the Johns Creek Veterans Association. Right.
1: And uh, he is just a super guy. And uh, we talked about the fact, I believe, they're they're shooting for March the 28th for the... uh, Yep. Uh, dedication of the wall and the uh, ribbon cutting and all of that and uh, it's going to be quite a ceremony from what Mike was telling me and uh, I believe there will be an honor guard. We'll have we'll have color guards. The John's Creek
2: Veteran Association has a color guard unit now and
1: we're now noted as the freedom is not free color guards. Hmm. And uh, we certainly know that that's that's not just verbiage. That's the truth. And the more, the more people that understand that freedom is not free. Uh, you know, I looked around yesterday at the at the uh, folks that were there at the ceremony, and um, and I I've been told and uh, that only one percent ever serve in our country's military today, and uh, I I just find that deplorable for the. If you sit down and just think of all the things, and I guess Kennedy wrapped it up the best, uh, and he will, he will certainly go down. Ask not what the government or the country can do for you, but what you can do for the country. here. here. And uh, you know, it just you look around, and we are so blessed, and we have, you know, so many things to be proud of, so many things that. You know, and and we don't flaunt it. That's the other great thing about our country. We don't, we, we're we not flexing our muscles and saying we're the greatest in the you know, but we are. And we have been because of people like yourself that have served, people like all those that were around me that have served in one war or the other to make sure we had those freedoms and have those freedoms. And uh, as we're sitting here, Roger... I'll take the time, too, to say that if you're a senior or you're a grandparent of a senior or a parent of a senior in high school or junior in high school, look at joining the military. It It is the greatest fraternity, sorority in the world, and uh, I was sitting with some folks yesterday, and, and we were talking about the fact of commonality, and... There's, you know, and, and uh, Richard Dix and I've gotten to be close friends. Uh, he's a general, a retired general, and uh, I was just barely a grunt, could hardly spell <laughs> could hardly spell E5 when I got out. But, you know but for me to sit across from General Dix on a weekly basis, is is just incredible and we're the we're the only country in the world that that could happen and and i kid richard about the fact that he opens his show now by singing a jody now how many generals do you know are going to open a radio show by singing a jody that's just that's
2: we are blessed i am somewhat active in the community and That's probably the largest thunder statement of the day. Well, you're very kind. But yesterday, the JROTC cadets, I have the pleasure of working with the cadet JROTC cadets in my high schools, and I have the pleasure of working with the student leadership groups in my high schools. After the program yesterday, I took the cadets and gave them a VIP tour of the Capitol. And I was telling those young folks at the end of the day, just how much we appreciate what they're doing. It takes a lot of time and energy to be a JROTC cadet in high school. I encourage them to look at a military service, even if you don't stay and retire, serve, because it gives you such a warm feeling inside that you have served your country and you have also served yourself. I personally agree, and some of my colleagues disagree. I think we did a real injustice when we did away with the draft. I saw classmates of mine that went, they were drafted, they went in service, and they stayed for the two years or 24 26 months, and they got out. They were changed individuals. That was a place that helped them grow up. And they became productive citizens, whereas had they not had the opportunity to be in the military for a period of time, I don't know what would have happened to them. So, yes, I agree with you. And you are one of the leading assets we have, you and your radio show. You enlighten a lot of people. And that's really what life is all about. It's a learning experience. Every day. Every <laughs> single
1: day. And uh, if you don't learn something that day, you didn't get out of bed, I think. So, That that's just uh, some corn poem, Texas philosophy, you know, but uh, it's there to learn, and, and we have to, and, and that brings me to one other point, that we, uh, we are going through some things that some folks recognize and some don't, but I was not a big proponent of homeschooling, and I know that you'll probably take exception to this, but I'm not real pleased with uh, public schooling and what's happened to some of our textbooks and uh, uh, and just like we were talking, the the tech schools that uh, we used to have, SHOP and DE and all yes. this. Yes. Um, and I, you know, the old saying: uh, if you don't study history, it, you're doomed to repeat itself. Exactly. And, uh, uh, there are so many people today. I, I, I had a person that listened. Uh, we had Lee Ellis on a couple of weeks ago, and he was a guest of the uh, Hanoi Hilton for a number of years. And he did a heck of a job, as well as we've had other POWs on that that uh, were guests of the Hanoi Hilton. And I had a person listen to his show, and I can't—I personally can't imagine this—but they sat there and listened to nine hours of shows straight. They were so impressed with Lee and what he had said, and they kept kept telling me i didn't know that i i just i'd never heard that and it's not in the books or this or that or whatever and they listened to all of her nine hours were eight hours his show and then eight more hours of of shows and i've never had anybody do something like that and they just sat there and kept playing show after show and said i'm going back for other shows that you do besides uh, the hall of fame show and uh listen to them, so the word is getting out, and we have, there's two things, we have to keep Vietnam alive, and we have to keep Desert Shield and Desert Storm alive, and we're doing that with uh, General Richard Dix. Uh, Well, we just, you know, freedom is not free. No, sir.
2: Someone has to pay for it, and And when we do our color, when we present colors, I have the pleasure of being on the color guard detachment for the Johns Creek Veteran Association.
1: I was uh, we'll come back right we got to take a break. Uh, listen to this cuz this is all about Johns Creek. Good morning. My name is Mike Mizell. I'm a retired Army Colonel and president of the john's creek veterans association we meet in newtown park and part of one of our projects is the installation of the healing wall the half scale model of the vietnam wall that traveled the united states well it's coming to rest and it's going to live in john's creek forever the half scale model we're looking at a possibly a march implementation ribbon cutting ceremony and we're looking for donors and sponsors that want to help us in this great project you can donate at jcvets.org
0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
1: And we're back, and I will finish my story that I was talking about off mic. And uh, Roger and I were talking about color guards. And, uh, and, uh, you know, it's the the fraternity you certainly played a whole lot bigger part than I did in the in the military fraternity but I still and I kid about, I don't I'm not kidding about it if I even if I'm watching a football game or anything where there's a color guard and particularly if it's if I'm there and it's it's happening right then and there I still get goosebumps I can't watch our flag go by that, that I, I don't get that tingle all over my body, you know? And uh, it's our flag, it's, it's our country, and uh, it's our national anthem, and
2: we're the greatest in the world. Well, as we were sitting here talking, I, I must. I was inducted into the Hall of Fame, not because of valor, there's a valor section. There's an achievement section and service section. I was in the Army, Medical Corps, and when I got out, I went to work with Abbott Laboratories. God bless. I'm, I'm a person of strong faith. God's hand was on it. I got my job because I'd been in the Medical Corps in the Army. They are a very community-oriented company, and they gave me time to be involved and make contributions. My induction yesterday is not because of valor. We had some valor, and I respect them so much. We had some achievement. The little gal there, she was the first female fighter pilot in the Navy. She retired. Uh, Carpenter? Yes. Now, she and I were standing down in Columbus... In the announcement area, I had on my blue suede shoes and my blue pants and my American Legion jacket. She looks at me and she said, Roger said, I really like your shoes. I said, well, thank you, Admiral. I appreciate that. She looked back up on the board and the picture they showed yesterday is when I got out of basic training in 1961, <laughs> and she looked back she says, you were a cute little soldier boy. I said, well, thank you, Admiral. I appreciate it. But I feel honored to be have been selected because of my service to the community. But I feel honored that I'll be hanging beside the valor and the accomplishment. And it just... It's a rewarding experience. But getting back to the color guards, we have individuals in the John's Creek Veteran Association that they're heroes. So they started the idea of setting up color guards. I don't actually carry the flags or carry the rifles. I'm the spokesperson As they're coming in the room, everybody's standing. I say, ready, seats. Everybody looks around. I said, that means sit down. Now, we do this in high schools. We do this in civic events. We do it at churches, wherever. Everybody, they come in. I say, freedom is not free. We must never forget that. Someone has to pay their tabs. I want all the veterans in the room on your feet and they stand up. I now include, I want all the first responders in the room on your feet. And I say we salute you and thank you for your service to our country and we thank you for your service to our community. We must never forget freedom and service is not free. These individuals you see standing in front of you have paid their tabs. But as we here this today, there's young men and young women all over the world paying their tabs so we can be free. These individuals you see standing in front of you are here serving our community. As they're here, there's firemen, policemen, EMS, manning their post. So when that bell rings, they run to the bell. They don't run from it. We must never forget that. So when you see a... Pl- A veteran, thank them for their service to our country. When you see a policeman, fireman, EMS, walk up to them and thank them for their service to our community. Remembering freedom and service is not free. Everybody else, on your feet! Stand up and join these great patriots and let's pledge the flag of the greatest country in the world, the United States of America. When we do that high schools. We're walking through the school. Kids will come up. Young men and young women will come up and say, thank y'all. We need to hear that more frequently. And they need to hear that every chance
1: they get. And I was waiting and would have loved to have had you or somebody turn, hut! Yesterday in the, you know. I guarantee you there wouldn't have been one person sitting there. They would have been at at attention within seconds. Yep, and uh, you know it's funny too. And again, I, I don't think any place in the world better than the United States. I and it's everybody that has served. If called, they would be. They'd jump in. I couldn't jump in my uniform because it it shrunk, but. You know, if I had an opportunity, I'd put it on again and uh, do anything I had to do for my country. And, uh, um, you know, it just, uh, that's the way it is. And that's a way that uh, everybody in that crowd yesterday, I think, would do the same thing in a heartbeat.
2: Well, as I'm walking around the Capitol with the JROTC cadets after the ceremony and that was the first day that it actually first time it's been in the state capitol and as you noticed it was standing room only and there were so many people standing up on the second third and fourth floor looking down into the rotunda area many of them were staff people or legislators or lobbyists i know them all so as i'm walking around with the jrotc cadets they were coming out of their offices stopping and saying, Hey, Roger, I want to tell you, I got goosebumps yesterday. I got goosebumps yesterday. That's what it's really all about. And that is what the colonel gave me. Um, I am humbled. It explains that, again, you have valor, you have accomplishment, and you have service. And I am humbled that I was chosen because of my service to the community, to my state, to my region, and my
1: nation. And, you know, it's it's a shame today that there are not more people like yourself. Uh, The world would be a better place, without a doubt. We had. I want to. I want to mention something last night. That um, after after the ceremony last night, uh, one of our shows that we do here is called "Let's Talk Venezuelan," and the reason we do the show is that we tell the truth. Heaven forbid, but we tell the truth and about what's going on in Venezuela. And we were talking about the fact that they have socialized medicine and all of this they are they have become a socialistic country and it's going to get worse sure you can go it doesn't cost anything to go to a doctor if you can find a doctor to go to and they don't charge anything for prescriptions the problem is they have no medicine and so here we are with our folks that do their show from one to three today we do the first show in English, the second show in Spanish which no other radio station in the country does anything like that but it's back to back. First in English talking about Venezuela and what's going on, second in Spanish talking about Venezuela and what's going on. So anybody that says our country is racially divided they should have been with us last night. We have we had Josie, who's running for office. As a matter of fact, Josie Cruz. She's running for a, a House of Representatives from District Four. And uh, then we had General and, and Carlos, her her campaign manager. And then we had Richard Dix, General Richard Dix, and his beautiful wife. And then we had a Texan there, and we won't explain <laughs> which one was the Texan. But we're not – we had more fun than you deserve, you know. I mean, we, we scratched every itch there was to be scratched last night, and there was no – there was no – black latino or white it was all we were all one village, as richard kept saying we were all one little bitty community and we all had one thing in common and that was the love for our country Um, i obviously i was born here as was richard he was born in grady hospital Um, but we were all born here except for Carlos and Josie and they were born in Venezuela. And I can't say well, I can't imagine what you went through to become an American because I can't. I didn't I didn't go through. I didn't walk in their shoes, nor have I. And but we had we had as good a time as any five people could have, you know, and this is this is what America is all about. We're a melting pot, and we should get along with everybody. And if we're fortunate, or if you're fortunate enough to live here, start appreciating it. Join well, there. yesterday, um,
2: I'm not boasting, please. I'm only sharing. You were there. A lot of my friends were there yesterday. I mean, a lot of my friends were there yesterday. And my wife last evening. She said, you know, said, said, you are so fortunate. I said, what are you talking about, Claire?" And she's been my partner. Yesterday, as a matter of fact, was our 48th wedding anniversary.
1: Wow, congratulations.
2: And the governor made a big to-do out of that and some others. Um, they, they've known me a long time, and I've known them a long time. But she said, you know, your friends were there yesterday. I had black... I had white, I had Latino, I had Spanish, I had I had, gay, I had straight, I had male, I had female. My life, I've not been in one segment or the other. I'm just so proud to be part of the process and it makes you much happier. I've raised my kids that way and if you saw we had the grandkids there yesterday they were having a good time We went in the governor's office for a little special thing before the hoop a they the governor wanted to make a big to-do he gave them a pen, you know one of the governor's pens. They said to hell with that can we have some peanuts? Uh-huh. They have the little things of peanuts they wanted peanuts but yes, and if people if people would just sit back, and really look at the whole picture, and not use tunnel vision, this world would be a much better place.
1: Well, you know, it goes back to, if we lived by the golden rule, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you, and respect others as you want to be respected. Hear, hear. You know, there is no problem. And this is something that we got to talking about last night at dinner, was it? You know, you make a mountain out of a molehill, then you decide you have to have a mountain to solve the problem, but most problems can be solved with very simple answers. Oh, yes. Know? And and we make such a big issue out of things and oh, well then it's going to take 8,000 pages to of paperwork to no. You know, there's a, it's it's like I was telling him last night. I, I I don't think I've ever had a doctor in the studio or a doctor doing a show that hasn't said, "If you, if the government would give us a leave on on uh, on our medical insurance, on our malpractice, and give us just the slightest of tax breaks, I'll be glad to give a day or two to charity, to the homeless and." This is every doctor that, that I've worked with has said, you know, what a simple solution. Just give a diet and why should he do it for totally nothing? but particularly they want if they would be relieved of the malpractice in treating somebody off the street, the homeless would be taken care of royally. That's a simple, simple solution. Unfortunately,
2: though, the system we have, and I worked within that system for 30 years, the system we have, and my son-in-law is an attorney, but we've got a lot of attorneys, young attorneys, and they call them ambulance chasers. Oh, yeah. And they look for anything they can to sue somebody. And all they want to do is they ask for some astronomical amount, and they tell the individual, if you come with me, I'm going to get you some money. And these individuals said, okay, get me some money. And unfortunately, that puts such a problem with our medical physicians and nurses and labs and hospitals. And it all gets down to greed. And that is a horrible, horrible thing. It all gets down to
1: greed. But what I'm saying is such a simple solution. Yes. And you know, and and it works both ways. And you say, Well, doctor, why would you give up a day to do that? And he said, Well, you know, a doctor is a scientist and we can learn so much over the internet, we can learn but if we're doing it and some of these homeless people We'll see stuff in them and treat stuff for them that we may not see in a lifetime of practice or because they let us, we see things that then we can help others because well, we had not seen it.
2: I dealt with young physicians in training. Part of my corporate career is when I, I was an academic specialist. And most young folks go into medicine because they want to heal they want to make a contribution they want to give back but once they get there and they find out today in the modern day philosophy in the modern day healthcare arena they are somewhat disappointed they're disappointed in what happened but hell they've spent all this time energy and money being a doctor and they've got to make a living
1: to pay back all of their loans
2: oh yes
1: oh yes it's it's a it's a dull two-edged sword, and the dullness could be sharpened by some very simple answers, and some very simple actions. Maybe a lap in one of these days. I don't know. Um, but there, all you can do is like we did last night: is everybody take care of everybody else. Be your, be your friend's friend, and it'll all take care of itself down the road. We did not go to,
2: but my daughter and son-in-law goes to Peachtree Methodist Church downtown. Mm-hmm. Their minister just did a series of sermons, and he covered the black-white issue. He covered abortion. He covered uh, all kinds of subject matters over a period of a month. My wife, we got up every morning on Sunday morning and went down and joined my daughter and son-in-law at his church. He did such a wonderful job because basically what he said is you've got to have mutual respect. Our congregation, we have different opinions here. We have different opinions on abortion. We have different opinions on, on this or that or the other. He said, "But you've got to sit down, and open your mind, and listen to somebody else's opinion. Respect their opinion, and they respect your opinion. But unfortunately, we've gotten out of where it's become so mean and so so vindictive that nobody respects opinions anymore."
1: Well. I I don't know if you've listened to any of uh, my ranting and raving here, but... I have, and I I have, and I respect it very much. Well, thank you. This this didn't just happen. Um, This started back in the 50s when we had a thing called the Cold War, and the Cold War was who has the most missiles pointed at the other person. You dare not fire at us because we'll... more back at you and that was the Cold War. But we had a gentleman, Professor Dr. K that came to my junior high school class and he said you don't have to worry about Russia firing a missile at us or China firing a missile at us. Why would they destroy their best asset? And he said they will destroy us from within and unfortunately The communists are doing it, and the communists and the Taliban and ISIS all have one thing in common, and that is, I don't care whether I kill you today or tomorrow. I got all the time in the world, and that's their philosophy. If it doesn't, you know, ten years to them is nothing. Well, we've seen now that that sixty years, seventy years, doesn't mean anything to them. As is as the communists have done. They have infiltrated our universities. They've infiltrated our schools, middle schools, everything to now our elementary schools. We don't know, back when I was much younger, we had the NTBS that uh, monitored television stations. Heaven forbid, there should be subliminal messages in television. Now we have no clue what those stupid video games the the subliminal messages that are in them, nobody's monitoring it. My point being is that right now, as I see it at my age, we are in a tremendous we are in the twenty first century Cold War. And unfortunately what you you are obviously military. What's the first thing that the military is taught and it goes back to the Roman Empire divide and conquer here here divide and conquer and what do we have in our churches today we have division what do we have in our senate and house division you know there is division everywhere needless division but division and who's to gain from this division whether it's over the right to over the second amendment division who is going to gain from that division you and I are not going to gain from it but there is one they, they said it was coming and it is, it's here and that's the communists and I was taught that socialism is the one step before communism and if you look around you listen to what some of our politicians are preaching now oh. It's it's pure socialism which is going to lead to communism. These are truly, truly very dangerous times. Yes, sir. Very dangerous. And the most dangerous thing is, very few recognize it, uh, that we are in the 21st century Cold War. And to, so you address, you say we got this problem. Then I was asked by a listener... Okay, you told us about it. What do you want us to do about it? Well, <laughs> there's one very go back to the simple answers. There's one very simple answer and that's for the, res- the people that are responsible for their for kids, I think they're called parents as I, as I recall. <laughs> and uh, those parents should take the bull by the horns and what they what their kids, don't get in public schools the parents should take the responsibility to teach them in their homes and pray with them but also mainly teach them what they're not getting in public schools and that's uh, about history and don't let history repeat itself don't let a dictator take over our country don't let anybody force you to do something be sure the books that your kids are reading are accurate. And watch those stupid video games. They're not babysitters on a string. They could be teaching your kids things that you have no idea about. Well, I grew up in a small town in North
2: Carolina. We didn't have, I remember the first TV that ever came to our neighborhood. And it was a huge TV box with a screen about 8 or (laughs) 9 inches and and the guy that got it put it on his front porch in the afternoon so everybody could line up (laughs) and get on to stand on the front porch because he had a TV antenna on top of his house and stand and look at this thing we had to entertain ourselves and parenting is it's not something you don't buy children you earn children and you earn them by teaching them And they learn by example. Now, years later, I'm somewhat active in the community, and I would take and get a call. If we had kids up here that stupidly might be driving with a beer in their car or whatever, and they were picked up, I would suggest that the police or sheriff just, um, they're not bad bad kids. Um, Give a call and and, and and to the parents and let the parents come and I'll come also. And we'd get there and here's a kid that has had too much to drink, stupidly driving the car. But if this goes on his record, it's gonna ruin him for life. So I'd look at the parents and say, We're gonna get we're gonna cut you some slack. I know, the, I know the kid. I work with the kid. Take him home. And I look at the kid and say, don't make this stupid mistake again because it'll scar you for the rest of your life. The parents get outside and said, oh my God, Roger, we're so sorry, you know, da-da-da-da. Well, you know, we bought him a new this and we did this and we did that. And I said, hey, You don't buy children, you earn children with acts and deeds. Children learn by example. I look at the father and I said, I've seen you leave the club, and you were so drunk you couldn't hit your ass with both hands. And you drive home. Well, when you get home, your son sees this. What is he supposed to do? You learn by example. They would get mad with me and just storm off. But they'd come back to me at a later date and say, Roger, thank you. You told it the way it was, and you stimulated a thought process. So we are now earning our child.
1: We're no longer trying to buy our child. Uh, Let's let a lot of folks ponder that because you're dead on, and and, uh, we've got to learn it. We'll be back on David's Pick with retired Colonel Roger Wise right after this. Want to give your family or loved one the perfect gift? Then go online and check out the TornadoBodyDryer.com I love mine and the warm heat air massage it gives me after my shower. The Tornado Body Dryer is super. You'll love it. And you'll love having one in your shop.
0: Thank you. You're listening to America's web radio on the Americasbroadcastnetwork.com. Thank you for listening. and
1: uh, we're back on America's web radio and uh, David's pick and we have with us Sergeant retired, Roger Wise and uh, Roger was in the medical Corps and uh, served in Nam. No, no no I, I was Brooks
2: Arm Medical Center, San Antonio, Texas. And I got in the Army Medical Corps. And quite frankly... Sam Houston. Yeah. I got in, I went in on what they called the buddy plan. The draft was still in place. I'd had two years of ROTC in college. And then I got into fraternity, got into campus politics. But I knew enough to know that if you got drafted, you were going in infantry. Well, I like to hunt. And I've got a gun room now, and... I wanted to fire the big guns, so the buddy plan deal was, this is early 60s, you go in and you take a series of tests, and if you did well enough on the test, you could decide what you wanted to do. So I did well on the test, and my fraternity brother was with me, and he did well on the test. Well, we're sitting there, and the sergeant comes up and picks up my paperwork. He looks at me and he said, "Um, Mr. Wise, you've done very well on your test. What do you think you want to do? Well, Coleman's sitting one person over, and Sonny's my nickname, and he's saying, Sonny, what are we going to do? I looked up at the sergeant and I said, I think I want artillery. He said, I think you'll make an excellent artilleryman. Coleman says, Sonny, what are we going to do? I said, artillery. He said, why? I said, to fire those big guns. He said, "I think we ought to go into medical corps." And I said, "Why? Because they got nurses." I said, "Excuse me, Sergeant, may I have that paperwork back?" And that's how I got in the medical corps.
1: Ah, well, that's it, as good a reason as any, and uh, probably better. At least it's truthful. So, uh, thank you for your service, and uh, it's good to know that that's uh, that's the way you did it. And yeah, it was all you know back in the '60s. Late 50s, 60s through, really through the 60s. Whole different world. I was at the, uh, at the apex or whatever you want to call it. Um, The draft was being faded out, but then we had the lottery. Oh, yes. And uh, I was in the lottery, and then they did away with the lottery, and it became all volunteer. All volunteer. I, uh, I think you and I probably disagree on that. But I think because of the all-volunteer, we, without question today, have the most outstanding military we've ever had in, the, in of any military in the world um, because they want to be there. And I know I, I don't speak for my son, but my uh, major... In the Air Force, son would not let me speak for him by any stretch of the imagination. But I know that uh, here's a kid that graduates, graduated in the upper part of his class from Texas A and M, small little school that we used to play in football, and we had a little division. I, talking about division, I I graduated from Texas Tech, so he graduates from A and M. There might, might have been a little conflict there, but no, we have. We have the best of the best that are serving, and the difference of wanting to be there and forced to be there can make a whole lot of difference down the road. And uh, I, uh, there, there are a couple of things that I do. I'm, I'm a very routine-type person, and uh, one I do early in the morning when I get up, and the other I do late at night, as I'm going to sleep, and uh, that's thank God for our military, and thank God for letting me grow up in the greatest country in the world, and that's...
2: Our director of our color guards, the guy that does our color guards, he's a Texas
1: A&M graduate. Is he? Oh, yes. Yeah. I didn't know. Well, I didn't know it yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Keith is very, very proud, and serving in Texas... Um, there were a lot of the a lot of the individuals that I served with that were A and M graduates.
1: Yeah, a and M was always uh, the uh, Polark joke in Texas, you know. <laughs> and how many how many uh, Aggies does it take to change a light bulb? Oh, yeah, know? and all of those. But when my son decided to go to Texas A and M, um, and he had been accepted by you know every place he had applied. But he decided on Texas A and M and then he decided on the Corps, went through the Corps and R O T C. Yep. And um my wife at the time and I'd go down or go to college station frequently. Oh yeah. And um I have all the respect in the world. Texas A and M is one of the greatest universities in the country in my opinion. And he made a wise, wise decision to go. And we were we were walking. This was about a year, I guess, after he had graduated from Texas A&M. And uh, we're, we're in D.C. In fact, we'd just gone to the wall. And uh, yep. we were walking in D.C., the three of us. And from well across the street, I don't even know how the kid saw his ring, but... From way across the street, we hear somebody yell, "Moxley!" Oh yes, and it was one of his Aggie buddies. And uh, I mean, those people are tighter than superglue. They anyone. um, they have
2: they they have a strong fraternal
1: bonding, if family been, if bonding that stays there. Their, a, stays there stays there their whole lives. Yeah, well, it's one thing to be a... T- go and graduate from Texas A&M. That's one portion of it. But if you've gone and gone through the Corps and graduated from Texas A&M, it just gets that much stronger. And it's incredible. And he runs into it. He's on active duty and has been now for, I don't know, eight years, six years, eight years, whatever it is. And, uh, you know, his... His commanding officers, and now he's a commanding officer, but there's one thing in the military, you always have somebody a- above you. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, you know, they respect the fact that he did graduate from A&M, and, and as soon as they see that ring, you know, he he, he rises one notch. It's called ring thumping. Yeah. yeah and you got That's the
2: A&M, West Point, All the academies, I mean, they they call them ring thumpers. And they'll go in to sit down and talk with someone. They've got their ring on and they thump the desk. (laughs) Because the individual, they look at the ring that individual has on. And there's an automatic bond right there.
1: Well, it's, uh, you know, and and there's an automatic bond with anybody that served no oh yeah. what branch, no matter when or what or anything and I've been very fortunate in meeting a lot of folks that uh, in just the past year, year and a half or less um, you know I, I'm not proud of my service because I, I was nothing but a, I learned early on, carry a clipboard with paper on it and you can go almost anywhere and uh that was my that was my service. Well, you Go mentioned ahead.
2: you mentioned Colonel Mike Mazel earlier. Yes, sir. He's he's one of the best, and Mike um, was elected as we our John Speak Veteran Association. We meet the third Wednesday evening at Newtown Park every week, or every month for dinner, and I had the pleasure this year. Well, I've participated every year. In the wreath ceremony, which takes place in December. They go to the graves of veterans and place wreaths on the graves. We in North Fulton, we use our Boy Scouts, Cub Scouts, Girl Scouts. They have little flags. We use our veterans organizations, our JROTC cadets. They put the flags on the graves. So they were kind enough to ask me to speak, and I spoke. This lady came up to me, and said, "Mr. Wise, I know I see you all the time. That, that, that you're a big veterans person." I said, "Yes, ma'am." Said, "My mother is 97 years old, and she was a World War II nurse. <laughs> is there anything that we might do for her?" So I went to Mike, and Mike Call was sent an invite and invited her to come to our dinner this past month 97 years old second World War II nurse now she still can get up and move around a little bit but she's wheelchair bound but her mind is crystal clear and Mike was kind enough to invite her to come and we let her speak at the dinner Mm. now what you just mentioned veteran to veteran a lot of veterans find it tough talking to the general public But when you get them together, there's a common bond, and they open up. And some of these individuals, they need it. It's therapeutic. Sure. They can sit down and talk. What unit were you in? I was in a unit. What battle were you in? I was there. Or even I served here, I served there, or whatever. And it's enlightening watching them get together. So if you live in the Johns Creek area... Go to the Johns Creek Veteran Association website and see the activities they have, and we invite you to come and be part of those activities.
1: Okay, Roger, I'm going to give you an assignment since we're equal rank. I'm going to give you an assignment or an order, however you want to take it. The next time you come into the studio, I want you to bring a veteran, but I, it's a very special veteran. I want you to bring... The veteran that has one story. I've never met a, ve- a veteran that has one story. I've met a few that have less than a hundred. <laughs> yeah, Exactly.
2: But never one. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Well, she was so cute, the little 97-year-old nurse. She's sitting in a wheelchair, and she's looking, and we have all ages there and she said well said when i was in the army said they weren't a lot of us there and said they make us they confined us to quarters because we were the women and they had the men and the women but we were supposed to be confined to quarters but then she looked out of her little eye and she said, but some of us didn't pay attention to that. And we kind of mix and mingled, and everybody just died laughing. Oh, I bet. Yeah.
1: Well, I tell you what, we've got to put the plug in the jug, get out of here, and uh, thank you for everything that you've done, and we will see you the next time. May
2: sure. I thank you so much for this opportunity, and I treasure your friendship very much. And what you're doing for the world... Is greatly appreciated.
1: Thank you. Um, I just, I love our veterans, I love our country, and uh, God bless the USA. God bless you. You're listening to America's Web Radio
2: on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.